Well, good morning. My name is Jay Trailer. I'm one of the pastors here. As Aubrey was saying earlier, this is Palm Sunday. This is a day when we celebrate what's called the triumphal entry. Jesus entering Jerusalem, being hailed as the promised king. But when we put this triumphal entry in the broader context of the story of Jesus, the story takes on a much deeper and richer significance. Let's pray together as we open God's word. God, even though we are apart from one another physically, we ask you to spiritually call your body, your bride, your church together to sit under your word. We ask for the Holy Spirit to illuminate these words, to open our hearts, to to open our minds to your truth. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. At this point in Matthew, word of Jesus had been spreading and building. And now he comes to Jerusalem, as he said he would. Everything in his life and his earthly ministry had been building toward this journey. The crowd has maybe begun to see little glimpses of who he is by seeing the miracles that he does and the teachings that he gives, and they are excited. This might be their king. For 600 years, the Jews had been beaten down and kicked around and ruled by every empire in the Mediterranean and the Middle East. Babylonians, Persians, Alexander the Great and the Greeks, and finally Caesar and the Romans. And the Hebrew Bible was clear about this. God was going to send them a deliverer. God was going to bring a son of David to sit on his throne and to reign forever. So it's no wonder that people were aching for this promised king. It made sense that these crowds of people were treating him like royalty, giving him a king's welcome, waving palms, throwing their coats onto the road so that even the lowly donkey that he was riding wouldn't kick up dust and get it on the garments of the king. But before this, just a few days earlier, Jesus had told his disciples what was about to happen to him. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 19, as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside. And on the way, he said to them, See, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified." And he will be raised on the third day. And in terms of this journey that the disciples and Jesus are on, we go pretty much much right from that chilling proclamation to this stirring scene of the lordship of King Jesus the Messiah, a coronation parade, the fulfillment of a prophecy that this nation had waited for for hundreds and hundreds of years. The people rejoicing, songs and shouts, And yet, just a few days after this, this same city of Jerusalem that was now welcoming him as their greatest champion was crying out that he was their most disposable criminal. I just want to highlight a few little snapshots from this narrative, this Palm Sunday narrative. First, Jesus commanding the disciples to go and to get a a donkey. I don't know why, but this part of the story always makes me laugh. I just picture Jesus saying, Okay, go and get this animal that's tied up, and if anybody gives you any problem, just say, the Lord needs it. And the disciples, okay. In one of the other Gospels, actually, Luke records an even longer conversation. The disciples go, they get the donkey, and someone does challenge them and says, what are you doing with my donkey? And the disciples say, the Lord needs it. And the donkey owner goes, 
oh, okay. The point is this. We do not always understand the plans of Jesus. We get tiny little glimpses and nuggets. The disciples could not have known after Jesus said, I'm going to be crucified when we get to Jerusalem. And then said, now go into that next town and fetch this donkey. They couldn't have known how all of this was going to work, how it would all play out. But they obeyed because they knew Jesus, because they trusted him. And they had a task and a role and a mission that he had given them. We don't always understand the plans of Jesus, but we can trust him when we know him. And we have a task and a role and a mission that he's given us. We don't need to see the whole plan in order to follow him. So back they came, the disciples, with the donkey and the donkey's coat. And the disciples throw their cloaks on top of them. And Jesus sits on the coats. And this crowd of followers that had come up with him out of Jericho, with Jesus and the disciples, they line the road with palms and coats, celebrating the arrival of the king. The shouts that they shout are echoes of Psalm 118. It's a a royal coronation psalm. Just a few minutes ago, we said this together in Psalm 118, verse 25. We said, save us, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Save us, O Lord, we said. And the crowd here on the Jericho Road, we see in Matthew, the crowd is crying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna isn't just another way to say hooray or hallelujah. It's a Hebrew word. It means save us. They were basically shouting Psalm 118 at the man who they believed was going to be their new king. Further in that psalm, we said together, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. And these people in Jerusalem, on the Jericho Road, in Jerusalem, home of the temple, home of the house of the Lord, the dwelling place of the full presence of God, they were crying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The coronation parade goes into Jerusalem, and the city was shook up. That's basically what it says. If you remember, if you uh, are a member of this church and you were here a few weeks ago, I was preaching on Jesus calming the storm. And I said in that verse, basically there was a word that meant there was an earthquake on the sea. Exact same idea here. In verse 10, when he entered Jerusalem, the entire city was shaken. It was rattled. It was agitated in a state of commotion. So great was the disruption that King Jesus brings. So loud were his people's praise. And all of Jerusalem wanted to know what in the heck is going on. And the crowd that had been following Jesus gave the best answer that it could. They said, this is the prophet Jesus. Prophet is a title of great honor. The Jews revered the prophets, Moses and Samuel, Elijah, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. To call Jesus a prophet was to recognize that he had been blessed by God and gifted by God and sent by God on a mission for God with power and authority beyond that of ordinary people. And all of that is true, but it is far from the whole picture. Because what the crowd probably didn't know at the time is something the disciples already knew and something that we, the reader, know as well. Five chapters earlier, Peter had made his confession of Jesus as the Son of God. In Matthew 16, Jesus says to his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. That's the information that we, the reader, have access to that the crowd didn't. We know who this Jesus is. And so the sequence of events, if you put all this together, the sequence of events is dizzying. Peter says, you are the Son of God. And Jesus says, you're right, Peter, I am. Then a couple chapters later, he says, oh, and when we get to Jerusalem, I'm going to be killed. And then as they arrive in Jerusalem, Jesus sets in motion a coronation parade. What is going on? What are we to make all of this? And how do we put this together? How can we be waving palm branches at this king one day? And then later on in that same week, calling for his death. Because that's the kind of king that Jesus is. Jesus did come to bring the victory, but not how the Jews thought that he would. And oftentimes, not how we think he will. We cannot know all of his plans, and they are so much bigger than we can imagine. So this truly was a triumphal entry of a king. It was a coronation parade. It's just that it wasn't headed where anybody thought. It wasn't headed to an earthly throne. It was headed where it always had to head, to Good Friday, to the cross. Jesus' coronation wasn't with a crown of jewels or gold, but with a crown of thorns. His strength wasn't in showing military might or political prowess or economic prosperity. His strength was shown in humbling himself. I heard something recently that, that really brought me up short. It was this. It said that for so many Christians, the story of Jesus ends at Palm Sunday. You know, he comes in on the donkey and people are crying to him and it's triumph and victory. Clear the way. The king is coming through. All he does is win, 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 no matter what. Wait, he's about to do what? He's going to go where and he's going to ask me to do what? I, I don't know about that. That sounds very uncomfortable. But that's our king. That is our king, the sacrificing king, the suffering servant king. He wins, yes, but he wins by losing. He triumphs by suffering and sacrificing. He lays down his life for us so that we can lay our lives down for one another, for our enemies, for people who think that we are completely nuts for even believing this stuff. As we move into Holy Week, where we see Jesus washing the feet of his disciples on Maundy Thursday, where we see him mocked, tortured, and crucified on Good Friday, please remember that everything that happens this week was part of God's plan for his world and for his people. Nothing that happened took Jesus by surprise. Not the donkey or the palms or the cloaks or the obedience of the donkey-fetching disciples or the betrayal of Judas or the crucifixion itself. Nothing surprised him. Not the cries of Hosanna or the cries of crucify him. And not only did it not surprise him, he set it all in motion. And he saw it through to the end. Nothing takes Jesus by surprise. In this time of uncertainty, remember that. Nothing takes Jesus by surprise. In this time of uncertainty, remember to pin your hopes on the one thing that is certain. Jesus. This is a very strange time for us, having these iconic church services of the, of the church calendar apart from one another. It's an uncertain time. There are serious health concerns. There are serious financial concerns. 
There are serious educational and relationship concerns. And none of this takes Jesus by surprise. We know that he, suffered, that he suffers with us, and we know that he has triumphed for us. Remember that this week. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.